welcome to episode five of Culture Talks. We are Heather and Shyla, the regional managers of Crown's Global Skills Team. I'm Heather, I'm based in UK, and I oversee programs in um, EMEA and the Americas regions. Hello, I'm Shyla, I'm based in Hong Kong, and I oversee programs in Asia Pacific. Each episode of Culture Talks, we want to pull back the curtain of cultural training, bust some myths and do this with our own stories and examples on a different topic each episode. We want to showcase the impact and the scope of cultural training. So last episode of Culture Talks, we looked at culture and language and how they connect. This episode, we're taking a peek inside cultural training and pulling back the curtain just a bit. And hopefully you, our lovely audience, will walk away with three of the best practices we see in cultural training yes and here's the thing these strategies can actually be applied to enhance any interaction in your life we're going to use the context of cultural training and the best practices that are taken from those rigorous tools and frameworks that we use within cultural training but even if you never experience cultural training um this episode these strategies are going to have a big impact on you you know i don't want to excite you too much although i'm going to i think this episode could really change your life that's right so today's myth is that cultural training is all about that other culture and learning what to do and not to do that it focuses on something external happening to you we want to show you that the more actively you make cultural training about you and understanding your own values and beliefs the more effective you can be in your daily life so in fact it's really all about you mm. so joining us today is Alyssa Bantle our senior program manager Alyssa is the bridge between the moving pieces of Crown's cultural training she works closely with our trainers and our clients and she's the person we go to internally when we encounter cultural challenges at work. Yeah. So today she's here to give us our her tips and best practices. Welcome, Alyssa. Thanks, Shyla. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, a warm, literally, hello from Miami. Um, just a little bit of context about me. I'm originally from the U.S. Um, as of course you and Heather now, with German parents, <laughs> um, but for the rest of uh, the group. And I've lived and worked extensively in Europe, Asia, the US. And yes, in my role, I oversee the content and quality of all crown training programs. And I'm also a cultural trainer and coach. Uh, I work mm. with trainers every day also on how they will deliver their cultural training and how they can bring their cultural expertise to crown's training framework. So that's a little about me. Yeah. Yeah, you do get to have the really interesting, interesting in-depth quest, uh, conversations with our trainers. That's true. And That's we're true. really excited. We're really excited to get you on, Alyssa, because, I mean, full disclosure, um, audience listener, um, this was quite a tricky episode to plan. Um, mm. We originally were like, right, we're going to get Alyssa on. We're going to geek out on cultural theory. Um, but actually, we kept coming up against the fact that so much is driven by who is in the training room. It's very difficult to talk about without talking about the specifics of the person. So we noticed that potential spoiler alert and we made the switch to this topic. Right, right. And cultural training is about the target culture, but it's just as much about you and your unique, as you've mentioned before, situation mm. and each assignment, each interaction with people is unique. That's so true. And it's really critical to learn about the culture that you're living and working in, of course. And it's just as critical to learn about yourself and what you're bringing to an interaction. Yeah. 
Exciting. So let's dive in and look at the three best practices for cultural training and beyond. So best practice number one, slow down, pause, look deeper. Mm, I, I like Shiloh, how you slowed down, paused as you said that. Yes, and had a deeper voice. Yes. So I, I feel like I need to do the same thing now. Right. Um, cultural training allows you to pause. Yeah, it's true though. Um, it, it's what is so powerful in cultural training. It allows you to take a step back, kind of take a breath, and really notice what you're feeling, thinking and judging. So this is why cultural training will focus on your own awareness, cultural awareness, and there's another one of those ands, introduce um, cultural norms uh, of the target culture. And that's what lets you and the trainer then look at your uh, comfort or discomfort, right? Your judgment around those norms. And Mm. just a quick note, I always say, don't judge yourself for judging. Judging is something we do. It's a shortcut to figure out a person or a situation. Uh, in other words, it's an assessment based on previous experience or beliefs. So it's it's something very useful in some ways. But the reality is, as we all know, it's most of the time not a very effective shortcut as it doesn't really improve the situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's so valuable to actually pause and talk things things these things through because as we prepped for this a bit like what happened in training you and Issa asked a question about the purpose of hope you are well in work emails and that was so interesting for me because I realized I'm actually slightly pushed out of my comfort zone when people answer like hope you are well or if even if an email starts with a question like how are you because I'm like what do I do with that and Mm. I realized that I'm actually very transactional when I am writing work emails. You know, I want to get to the task at hand, especially when I'm busy. And I found that quite confronting. And here's the judgment to the fact that I'm quite a people person. Um, And yeah, just made myself kind of very wrong for that. But it was very valuable to actually just be honest with myself. Um, And unless an email is just for fun and connecting, and I do write a lot of those type of emails, (laughs) but unless it's that, you know, hope you're well is, you know, it's nice, but it's kind of just like a bit of fluff that you start with. Mm, so interesting. And isn't it telling that you just use the word fluff? I love that. <laughs> it's a strong, yeah. <laughs> There's my opinion in one word. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So this is, I love this example though. So in a, in a cultural training, yeah, this is the trainer can help you through that process of understanding the other, the situation, the culture, and you, right? This is why it's all mm. about pausing, slowing down, and processing. <laughs> yeah, totally. It has such an impact when you create that space. Um, and there's another part to this best practice, look deeper. Sorry, look deeper. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Cultural training really helps you develop your ability to look deeper. Um, In the training room, for example, I often ask, what are your key values? And it's Mm. so fascinating, regardless of the background of the person, you know, what culture they're from, what their, their role is, what their experience has been in life. Almost everyone says family. But do we really mean all the same thing when we say that, right? It's it's only when you go deeper, 
that you really see the differences of what family looks like for people. So meaning what are the expectations? What are the beliefs around family? What are the behaviors that are connected to that? Um, let me ask the two of you. What do you mean when you say my family? Oh, I feel like I'm in a training room. Right. <laughs> well, well, yes. And this is how I talk. Just ask my husband. I'm constantly bombarding him with, with questions like this. Well, I guess for me, when I think of my family, I think of my, my husband, my children and my parents. Mm. Oh, um. I find this question really hard. I want to like have more co more context to be able to answer it. Um, I think if I think about the word family, I'm I think I'm referring to like the family of my childhood, like my parents and you know kind of aunts and uncles and cousins. But I know that when most people are referring to family to me, they'll be referring to my daughter and my partner. Mm, wow. Oh, see, quite different actually the way the two of you answered. Mm. Okay, so let's take that a little deeper. So now we know who you mean when you say my family, right? But you could also think about how your behavior shows up. That's something I just mentioned. Um, so how do you show that family is a priority for you? For example, something I saw a lot in Asia, the expat would leave the office at 5 p.m. because they want to be home in time for dinner with family. That's the way they would prioritize and show that family is important. And that was mm -hmm. really different than their Asian colleagues who might leave the office at 8, right, working late. Why? To give their family a better future. So those are two very mm -hmm. different behaviors, but both are actually about prioritizing family and you could say even showing love and care. Mm. I mean, I think I definitely I show my family I love them when I send them like dog videos, <laughs> like funny, <laughs> funny dog videos. That's how I show love. <laughs> well, I think for me, it's it's the way that I involve them in everything. I, I you know, decision making as a family. My parents are involved in, in so much so when my son went to university in the UK, the decision of his university choice was location, you know, close enough to visit his grandparents. Oh, do you know oh. what? I actually, that's really interesting because I went to the same, I went to university in the same town as my grandparents lived in, but that was like, they weren't involved in that decision. Um, That was kind of, yeah, that was like an afterthought. Um, so, yeah, that was so that's quite interesting hearing you talk that through. Well, on that note, let's move on to best practice number two. Notice the stress. And if you're reverting back to your comfort zone. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So cultural training gives you more awareness of not just overall stress. And I felt I have to say every time I'm <laughs> saying the word stress and I heard you say it, it feels feels a little stressful. But yeah, mm -hmm. I'm going to add to the stress now. So it's not just about the overall stress, but the hidden stress in our day to day. And cultural training really lets you experiment with successfully kind of stretching yourself beyond your comfort zone and being really aware, right, of that stress and how far you can stretch. 
Um, let me give you a quick example. So um, I actually use this in cultural trainings as an example sometimes. I worked uh, in Japan with a Japanese executive. I trained and coached him. And it was one of our, I think it was our first session. I asked him where he wanted to go with his career in the next three to five years. And his answer was really, I mean, in my mind, super vague. So I rephrased the question more than once <laughs> and asked follow-up questions to clarify, but the situation just got worse. And I could feel both of our frustration levels rising, so the stress rising. And finally, he burst out in basically an angry voice, I want my boss's job. <laughs> Ooh. Very, Ooh. yes, very un-Japanese behavior in, in that sense when it got to that point. But interestingly, what's we were both actually trying to communicate clearly, but both retreating to our communication comfort zones as, as the stress built, that hidden stress especially. So in other words, I became more American. He became more Japanese in our communication styles. And so we were going further apart, right? In hindsight, if I could do it all again, I would have needed to notice what was stressing me and him, ideally, but at yeah. least me, mm. and do something different. Right. You know, listening, so yeah, it sounds stressful. Listening to this story, <laughs> you know, this example that you just shared, Alyssa, this reminds me of something I noticed in my early days. You know, I would get stress, you know, coming up to deadlines. I knew that a training project needed to be completed. And I think, OK, I've got this. I'm independent. I know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, sudden something throws me off balance. And I felt that stress creeping up and I knew I needed support. So I started to use that copy in function and bring in, you know, my big boss, as we say here in Asia, mm. you know, Joe jo Donnell, who joined us in our episode three. She understood what was going on and understood my stress behavior. And I wasn't expecting her to answer on my behalf, but just to guide me through the next steps. Oh, interesting. What do you think that was about? I mean, so I have to ask, <laughs> is there something cultural there? <laughs> mm, so good for me to notice what what that stress is coming from and I and how I'm responding. I was falling into my hierarchy zone, escalating up the chain. Mm. You know, noticing would have helped me understand how much hierarchy means to me and impacts me in my working scenarios. I'm not saying I don't do it anymore, but I have more awareness now so I can manage it. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. It's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, like when you're replying from that stress or when you're operating from that stress mm. zone, it's a very different uh, active uh, yeah, response that you're going to give yourself. Um, and lastly, best practice number three. Um, so, Alyssa, talk us through this one. Making small shifts. Don't try to change your whole approach. Right, right. So cultural training lets you practice style shifting and it lets you find out working with the trainer some of the best uh, shifts, you know, what might work the best when interacting with a certain culture. So this is mm. so important as a general point. There is no need to do a complete revamp of how you operate or who you are, but really just experiment with a subtle shift in behavior. So doing just a little bit less or a little bit more of something is often enough to get a much more effective outcome in an interaction. Mm. Mm. So if I go back to my hope you're well example, then I don't have to put myself under 
that and I, that would feel quite stressful if I put myself under pressure to get into like a four email nicety exchange kind of back and forth. Um, <laughs> I sound so awful. I am a nice person. I do like people. You are. You are. Um, <laughs> but so rather than getting into that, you know, maybe just asking a couple more questions or taking time to just answer in a couple more sentences, like meeting that person where they are, if they are showing me that's what they want from me. Yes, yes. And great noticing. You know, I like how you labeled it for for yourself. Mm -hmm. And well, you labeled it for us, right? So even mm -hmm. that's a great example of a, a, a style shift. You can do this um, to yourself silently or share it with others. And I did that a lot when working in, in Europe, letting people know my communication style, my influences, right? It, it, it is in many ways more American. So mm. that led to a lot of great conversations around how we can best communicate each other. And this is one of the reasons why cultural training has to start, really has to start with self-awareness and then focus on cultural learning. Because really, if you don't know where you're starting from and why, how are you going to know how to adapt and shift? That is yeah. so key. That is just so key with working with other cultures and and just, you know, other people in general, right? Anyone really. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, I feel so validated. We've mentioned self-awareness <laughs> yes. self in previous episodes, right? So, and now Alyssa has said it, you know it's true. Wow. <laughs> it's fact. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of today's episode. We have lifted the lid and taken a peek into cultural training and we've shared three best practices for you to apply. So we hope that we've shown that cultural training is not just about that other external culture and that actually the more a participant you know looks at themselves and their values and their beliefs the more effective they will be and you know hopefully we've shown that these strategies can really help you in everyday scenarios you know whenever you are navigating different interactions there is just so much that you can do to improve your communication if you make it all about you um so we'd like to leave you with a question how could you use these practices in your day-to-day -day life? You know, where could you pause and look a bit deeper at what's going on? You know, where are you under stress and maybe reverting back to your to your comfort zone? And if you are in your comfort zone, where could you make just a tiny shift in your style and approach to meet someone, you know, where they are? And if you did, how might that just change your life? See, I told you it was going to be a big one. <laughs> so, Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us today. Shyla, it is always a joy. Thank you so much for listening and join us next time for episode six of Culture Talks. <laughs>